Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, and uh, unfortunately we got a lot to talk about this week, so let's get to it. All right, first we got some uh, non-United States news to open us up this week. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, an event that happened in Germany recently. Um, Far-right protesters stormed the German Reichstag, which is the uh, building in which the legislature meets, where the where the parliament meets in Germany. Um, they didn't make it into the building, they made it to the staircase, uh, but what they were protesting was exactly what far-right mobs that are storming government houses all over the world are protesting. They're protesting coronavirus uh, restrictions. Uh, these are people who don't want to wear masks, these are people who don't want to socially distance, all that sort of thing. Uh, very similar to the protests that we've seen throughout the United States uh, most prominently in places like Wisconsin, Michigan, but also in Washington, D.C. Um, the protesters, who numbered around 38,000, which is an extremely large number of people, uh, were also clearly affiliated with the far right, uh, some of them uh, demonstrating some loyalty to the QAnon protests, uh, which is, you know, a disturbingly international spread of uh, this particular United States conspiracy theory. Uh, some of them also had uh, neo-Nazi memorabilia or paraphernalia on them. Um, some of them were also carrying the flag of the German Empire, like as in like like the Kaiser, you know, from before World War I, uh, which is a disturbing uh, far-right indicator in Germany. Uh, Ultimately, what this means is that the conspiracies around the coronavirus that many people on the right have, um, namely that the either that the virus isn't real, which is, you know, part of the right wing's general skepticism about science and the scientific method and positivism in general, um, but also part of their more disturbing conspiracy theories that, that trend in the direction of anti-Semitism, anti-Masonic, uh, anti-internationalism. Uh, these are people who believe that the virus either isn't real or that maybe it is real, but it was made up in order to control people like 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 it was invented, like it was a, you know, a created virus engineered um, that it's some sort of screen for what's really going on. Now, the thing that you might have missed if you follow the news exclusively in the United States is a mention from a former president of Argentina uh, that he thinks that the country might be seeing a military coup sometime soon. Uh, this is uh, former President Dualde, uh, who was president um, ignominiously. Um, he was the third in line after a series of two resignations during Argentina's worst economic crisis uh, for about, you know, since the Great Depression, really. Um, this was back in the late 90s, early 2000s recession. Um, Dualde has a really terrible reputation in Argentina for being involved in this economic crisis for the devaluation of the peso for, you know, currency manipulation stuff in general. Um, unfortunately, though, he is relatively familiar with coups uh, because his political career was uh, interrupted by the 1976 military coup uh, that ousted the new Peronist government um, and ushered in the era of the worst dictatorship that Argentina has seen in the 20th century. Um, this is the dictatorship that created the Dirty War, that murdered upwards of 40,000 Argentines and harassed, tortured, um, sexually assaulted countless more. Um, 
Now, Dualde has a terrible reputation in Argentina, again, because of his involvement with this economic crisis. Uh, but his personal history uh, means that, you know, he does sort of know what he's talking about when it comes to coups. Although, of course, talking about a coup now could also be intra-party politics. Uh, Dualde is a Peronist and the Peronists are in power now, but he's a member of a different, you know, a slightly different faction than the faction that's in power now. I study Argentine history. I'm not going to get into the weeds on this one. Uh, I could talk about this forever. Um, but the point is that this is a prominent former elected official. Well, he wasn't elected to the presidency. You know what I mean? Uh, a very prominent politician uh, who continues to play a role in Argentina's public life, openly talking about the fact that he thinks that the country isn't doing well, is is extremely unstable in a way that um, harbinges on the actual dangers of military government, civil unrest, the overthrow of the civil society the way in the way that it's supposed to function. And you don't have to be Argentine to consider this to be an extremely alarming event uh, in the history of a country that has seen far too many dictatorships, um, that has seen far too much civil unrest, uh, that has seen far too much state violence and state killing. Uh, a country that, like many in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, considers itself to be past that particular part of its history. You know, this is uh, what people say about Germany too, right? But, you know, remember the thing I just talked about? Uh, once these particular cats are out of the bag, they don't really go back in again. Um, and that is what I'm going to be talking about for the rest of the podcast. All right, on that unfortunate note, there has been continued unrest in the United States in the wake of the police killing of Jacob Blake. And of course, in the wake of the massive civil uprisings, um, movements, protests uh, around the Black Lives Matter movement this summer. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, the location of uh, the police shooting of Mr. Blake, uh, many people have, you know, been going there in order to talk about their opinions about this, including the president, right? Um, another person who has spoken about uh, his opinions about what's going on in Kenosha, where, remember, if you've forgotten, uh, a few weeks ago, a far-right protester shot two people, one of them in the head, one of them in the torso. Well, he, excuse me, he shot three people, at least, killed two of them. Um, he is still awaiting trial. He is fine. You know, he's safe. Um, it's entirely possible that he will not go to jail. He's a minor. Uh, anyway, um, among the people who are talking about what they think about this situation is a former sheriff uh, of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and what he says is really disturbing. It's, it, it's just shy, like just shy of openly calling for right-wing counter-protesters to shoot people, uh, to shoot Black Lives Matter protesters, to shoot anarchists, um, potentially to just shoot people whom they consider to be a danger to themselves. Um, which, of course, given the history of the United States, and if you weren't aware already, the last couple of years should have taught you that that kind of logic leads to massively disproportionate violence against people of color, both from the state and uh, from civilians. Uh, so, all right, I think this is worth, I think this is worth, uh, letting the man speak for himself. So in his own words, this is, uh, former sheriff David Clark. 
People take the law into their own hands. Government is leaving them no choice. No choice. I don't advocate for some of the stuff that's going to happen, but I am certainly done. I'm through with condemning it. I'm done with that. I'm just telling people, hey, you're on your own. Think about it. Have a plan. Act reasonably. You have to act reasonably. And then you're going to have to articulate what you did afterwards. Oof, that's, that's, that's a disturbing one. Back to the quotes. But you can't have government officials and law enforcement executives telling people don't take the law into your own hands. You're forcing them to. And then his quote continues, the majority of these gun purchases are first-time gun owners, and when we leave it up to the individual, it's not going to end real pretty. But I don't blame them. Have a plan, think it through, be able to articulate it, and be reasonable. It's all the law requires. You have the right to defend yourself. You don't need permission from the police or a sheriff. That's truly chilling. This is a former law enforcement official spelling out probably as closely as he is legally capable of doing exactly how it is that you could shoot a person in the street and get away with it. You know, his advice isn't de-escalate, don't, don't bring a gun, don't bring a gun, don't have guns. Um, his advice isn't don't counter protest, don't be a fascist, don't be a right winger. Uh, his advice is have a plan for what you're going to do. His advice is have a plan, right? Like he, this is actually saying like, you should come planning to be violent. You should have reasons. You should organize your activities such that you can justify it later in a court. Because of course, being a far right protester, uh, you're probably going to make it to court. The police are probably not going to kill you, right? I, I mean, I don't know, like, like this is, I study fascism literally every day. Um, and sometimes stuff, uh, stuff is just really surprising how far we've come in the United States, uh, since I started to really pay attention to this kind of thing. Um, wow. All right, of course, the final thing that I'm going to be talking about this week is the series of shootings that have occurred in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, also in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement. Since last week, um, a right-wing protester, uh, Aaron Danielson, uh, has been shot uh, by a person who has alleged affiliation, uh, personally alleged affiliation uh, with, with Antifa. Uh, the right-wing victim was involved with Patriot Prayer, which is an umbrella far-right wing group that's been active, especially on the West Coast, for quite some time. Uh, they've played a role in the rise of the extreme right in the United States, uh, especially since Donald Trump's election in 2016, um, appearing in protests uh, throughout the country. Uh, as of just now, Thursday, when I'm recording this, Thursday the 3rd, um, the suspected shooter of Aaron Danielson has been killed by the police. Um, if you read the news articles about this shooting, uh, they follow exactly the same sort of like passive voice logic that most descriptions of police shootings. Uh, a man was shot in a police involved incident, you know, that sort of thing. You can get the play by play better elsewhere. Um, I'm, I'm not going to run down the like details of exactly how 
uh, each of these people was shot. Um, for that, you should uh, pursue other news sources. Um, uh, if you are interested in uh, following people who actually mm, follow this sort of like play-by-play -play thing um, and actually follow reporters of, pe you know, reporters of people who are on the scene and these kinds of events, uh, I might suggest following Spencer Sunshine on Twitter. Um, in any case, uh, I'm not here for that. Uh, I'm here to talk uh, analysis, which unfortunately means getting away from the personal tragedy that 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 these things produce. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that for a second. Okay, this is extremely bad. Um, I know that you don't need anybody to tell you this, but this is me. I study fascism all day long, all day, every day. This is potentially catastrophically bad. Uh, what we have now is potentially arguably the first fascist martyr of this particular wave of the extreme right in the United States. When fascists have martyrs around which to rally, it really, really helps them to establish the necessity for the kind of violence that they organize the best with you know it's precisely these kinds of this kind of street violence that fascists not just crave but like actually grow on this is how fascists grow right is through street violence escalating street violence in this capacity is one of the ways in which we could potentially end up with much bigger more dangerous and more involved and connected fascist groups in the United States. That said, it's also a double bind because it's not as if abandoning the streets to fascists right now would actually achieve any goals. People do actually need to be out protesting police violence if we're going to end up with a more just society and especially if we're going to end up with a more just United States uh, as regards state violence against people of color and especially black people, people of indigenous descent. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to, to, to give advice. I'm just talking about, um, talking about this analytically in terms of historical precedents. And, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss for words in terms of what this pretends. I mean, this is, this means more street violence. This means more partisan violence. Um, this means that fascists are going to come prepared to kill and to die, um, which is a particularly potent and dangerous combination uh, when it comes to civil violence, when it comes to partisan violence. Um, this means that probably for them the gloves are going to be off, um, which only means more danger, not just to them, but especially um, to the people who are their targets and the police's targets. So... Um, if you are attending protests in the coming weeks and months, please be especially careful. Um, please know what fascists and right-wing protesters look like. Um, please keep up on that sort of news where you are, you know, particular to your location. And of course, unfortunately, I also have to remind you that uh, almost without fail, the police, whatever police will be on the scene, uh, are going to be on the side of the right-wingers. Um, 
they cannot be relied on for protection against fascists. Um, all right. On that particularly dour note, uh, a dour note where I, 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 I'm sorry, but it, it's sort of failing me here. Um, th- this could be the start of something truly awful in the United States. Um, in any case, please be safe. And I'll talk to you next week. Uh, and I'd like to thank Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our graphics and intro and outro music. I'm Craig Johnson with 15 Minutes of Fascism, sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. Talk to you next week. <laughs>